This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. Good morning. Um, yeah, these are our 8am shows. It's not a transfer show. It's not a new show this morning because, of course, last night we did play. And so, therefore, the morning after, we always do our breakdown and our reaction to that. Um, and so... We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk through yesterday's game, which, to be honest, is nothing to laugh about. I'm fuming. Um, I, I'm so 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 disappointed in yesterday's game. I really 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 am, um, and I'm sure you are as well. And we're gonna talk all about that and more, uh, and get a lot of your thoughts and your feelings and your comments and your queries and theories into the chat. And uh, and yeah, so it's gonna be heavily influential by you guys, as it always is. And uh, drop a like on the video if you're enjoying our shows. I know you didn't particularly enjoy the game, but please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Good morning to Matt, to Adam, to Stevie. <clears throat> oh, God, the voice is going already. My, my Even my body is telling me we don't want to do this show. Um, good morning to Jack. Good morning to Brad. Good morning to Paul, Kaiser. <clears throat> so many of you tuning in. Manu. We've got Dave, we've got uh, Push It, we've got Guna, we've got Guna 044-0411, Ian Social, Uh, good morning to all you guys, Daz uh, as well, Answer, Pablo, Hambo, Mr. Ginger Guna, Raheel, Christopher, Uh, so many more of you as well, sorry I can't say hello to everybody in the chat box, but thank you so much guys for tuning in, Uh, Quincy joining us for uh, never making the live show, but I had two for this one, I wonder why, um, I'm so sick and tired of the senior players in this team really just not stepping up and taking ownership of performances. For me, when you're looking at a side that's... If you look at our last few games, in fact, I wasn't planning on doing this. If you go back over our last few performances and look at the ages of the players that have scored the goals in those games, uh, obviously Martinelli uh, and Saka scored against Newcastle, 20 and 20, Smithrow and Erdogan score against Man United, 21 and 22. Uh, the Watford game, Saka, not Saka, sorry, in the Watford game, Mill Smith Rowe scored, 21 years of age. We continue to go back through the fixtures. 
let's go to Leicester. Smith Rowe scored in that one. And Gabrielle, another 23-year-old uh, centre-back, popping up with a goal uh, as well. Aston Villa is the last time that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored a goal. Um, and that in itself, I think, is a perfect description of the situation that we find ourselves in. And when the striker in our team is... Oh, dear me. Oh, God. No, I don't want to do this, clearly. He's not only uh, the captain, but he's the most experienced player on the pitch. And he's someone who's scored plenty of goals through, through kind of the period that he's been at the club. But we should... Or the manager, for me, should be able to identify if he's clearly not on it. Now, I put Aubameyang in my predicted team. And with the benefit of hindsight, I look back in reflection and go, that was not the right decision to throw Aubameyang into the team. Clearly, he's so far out of form. Confidence is utterly, utterly gone. And I'm not saying that Lacazette's the, the solution to all of our problems and that if he come in, it would have been absolutely different. But a striker... A striker like Aubameyang, who thrives off those clear-cut chances and got clear-cut chances, especially the one that he just trickled with his left foot towards the goal, uh, and the one in the second half as well, where he was through on goal, um, hit straight at the keeper, and there was another one where he was set through by Martinelli and just straight comfortably into the keeper's arms. Those moments, you think maybe a, a player that's different to Aubameyang would be able to put those away because his confidence in those players might be better. Um, Thomas Partey in the middle. I'm such a huge fan of Thomas Partey. I was desperate for us to sign him. And to be honest, I think that the criticism saying that we should never have signed him or that he's awful, he's bad, is utterly ridiculous. But he was so poor and has been poor across a number of games this season. And I'm trying to work out the reasons as to why. I theorise that it's a lot to do with the fact that he's playing, obviously, Premier League football now and... He hasn't really adapted to the Premier League in the sense that he feels like he's got far more time than he actually does. and needs to speed up his play. He takes too hard of a touch. He uses too much time on the ball and loses it. But in terms of raw quality, you can see that he's a step above the other midfielders that we have, but he just can't seem to apply it on a regular basis at this level, which is a big, big problem. And then we move to the manager, Mikel Arteta, who, to be honest... I, I didn't have loads of issues with the lineup. I wanted to kind of see Tierney. I was surprised he dropped Lokonga and brought in El Nenny, although I do get his explanation to do that, whereas you look at El Nenny's performance at Old Trafford last season, but it was a year ago. Like, you can't bring in a player because he had a good game a year ago. That's a bit odd. Like, I, I get it, and I get the experience factor, and I get that Partey and El Nenny bossed Old Trafford last season. But that was a year ago, and Elneny's not played at all. Like, if Elneny at the start of last season, going into that Old Trafford game, he played matches. He'd come back from his loan from Besiktas, he was brought back into the team, and he played semi-regularly up until that game. So why it why that is the sole explanation for Elneny being in the, in the game because he actually played well there last season, I just find that baffling. Elneny was decent like this isn't to take anything away from Elneny's performance he was decent but as soon as you put Elneny in the team what you do is is you're setting up in a certain way 
Lukonga is a different central midfielder to El Nenny. Lukonga tries to make stuff happen. You look at the passing combination statistics in Lukonga's game, he's always up there in the top five, top three, top one, like he was against Newcastle. 42 passing combinations with Tavares in that game against Newcastle. He really pushes forwards those left back and the left wing as well because he has good combinations with Smith Rowe. And we lacked that forward momentum. The thing with El Nenny is that he's a solid six out of ten pretty much most games because he's safe. He plays the easy pass, he plays it sideways, he keeps possession. He's safe with it. He doesn't really make too many mistakes, to be honest. He was he's decent defensively as well. Um, I don't think you can look at that game and go, El Nenny is a bad player. He's not a bad player, he's an average player. Like he's just average. He just does the bare minimum and keeps it safe and doesn't really put a foot wrong. But that that kind of shows what we would I say it kind of shows what we we're trying to do, but it was an imbalanced side because we had players like Tavares, who was much more attacking than Kieran Tierney. Much, much more attacking. And then you put him on the same side as El Nenny, and you're sitting there and thinking, well, that's not balanced. Because if you want to be a bit more conservative and play El Nenny, then surely bring Tierney into it as a bit better defensively and a little bit more, you know, he's got his head screwed on a bit more defensively. And he's sort of chaotic as Tavares. If you're going to play Tavares, then play Lukonga if you're going to go for it. Because that, you know, it, it makes sense to be more, to emphasize those qualities. So I found the selection a, a bit strange, um, although on the surface, and I think I reacted to it by saying, I quite like it. And then as soon as the game kicked off, I was like, oh, actually, I don't like it as much as I thought I did. Um, I just, it's such a frustrating moment because we went into the game knowing that we couldn't really lose it. It was more important that we didn't lose that game than it was to win that game. And because it's allowed Manchester United to close the points, it means that Spurs can obviously overtake us as well if they win their game in hand over Burnley. That it, it was so key not to do it. And the reason why we lost this game is obviously because two reasons. One, we didn't take the chances when they came. And two, Martin Erdegaard had an absolute brain fart of a decision to, dis- to slide it on Fred. Now, I was so gutted when that happened because... Erdogan scores, obviously, the second goal, which is a fantastic finish on his right foot, which is not an easy finish to keep it and get it right in that corner away from De Gea. But also because it was a real opportunity. It was a real opportunity for him to kind of vindicate, vindicate his selection and to kind of shut up a lot of the haters as well. And to be honest, I was unsurprised to see a lot of his haters pop out of the closet once again um, after the game and really really gun for him once again. He should have had an assist. Martinelli should have really made a lot more of the chance that he set him up for in the box, which is an amazing little flick and turn and touch from Odegaard. And if he does that, he's got a goal and assist. I think we'll go on to win that game as well. So the momentum would have been so far, far much, been so far more with us in that moment. So that that was really annoying. Um, but I can't, I can't excuse that challenge on Fred. It's ridiculous. It's... It's immature. It strikes as a player that's desperate to try and impress and desperate to get back and defend and do everything. But I have to question, why is it Erdogan in that position in that position as well? What's happening that it's Erdogan that's having to slide in that moment? And you look at the central midfield and you go, where are they in this? Where are they in those moments? And I think the, the midfield got bypassed so many times last night. Like you had players like Rashford and Sancho that were able to get in behind and Fernandez and get in between the spaces. The midfield just didn't cover 
that central park. They didn't suffocate the space. How, when you look at the team and you go, we could have had Lakonga and Partey and they have Fred and McTominay and you're going, how are we, how are our midfield losing to McFred? How are we losing the midfield battle to McFred? I get it's at Old Trafford. I get there at home. But on paper, you'd look at Lakonga, who should have started, and Partey and go, we should have dominated that midfield battle. But instead, we started Elneny, who's an average player, and Partey had an off day, and we got bossed by McFred. I just, that really, really bugs me that we didn't take that opportunity. Anyway, I feel like I've ranted now. I've had my moments and my monologue. Let's get into the chat box and get your thoughts and feelings uh, ahead of this, or ahead of this game, after this game. Um, yeah, let, let's go into the chat box. Bear with me two seconds while I can have a coffee fit to myself. That's what we use that for. <laughs> now, hopefully, I can speak a bit about. Let's go, Sheath King. It says, if people want to diss Erdogan ahead of a Bamiyang and party, then their opinion should be immediately disregarded. Erdogan is our best technical midfielder by a mile. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom. I asked yesterday, is Balogun really much of a downgrade on Aubameyang and Lacazette? I would start him for the rest of the season. Hey, look, I, I struggle to disagree with you, Olu. And it frustrates me that Eddie Nketiah, who signed a new who rejected a new contract with the club, came on yesterday. I think he uh, I think he rejected it the day before, or you know, a couple of days before the news leaks out a little bit later. But the fact that you're bringing him on... And what frustrated me about the substitute as well was that you brought off... Abamyang and Erdogan, who is our number 10 and our striker, for Nketiah, who's going to play striker, and Lacazette, who's going to play behind the striker. It didn't change the structure. Ali McCoyst in commentary, by the way, I thought was excellent, besides this one moment, said Arsenal are going for it now. Taking off Abamyang and Erdogan and bringing on Nketiah and Lacazette doesn't change the shape because Lacazette's playing behind the striker. Going for it would have been leaving Erdogan on and probably taking Partey off and bringing on Nketiah and Lacazette and putting two up top and going 4-1-3-2. That would have been going for it. We didn't change anything. And that, again, we get back to Mikel Arteta's in-game management and how he makes substitutions and how they impact the games. And that was so key. I think you could have brought on Pepe and Nketiah. You know, I've been one of Pepe's biggest critics, but I would have brought him on over Nketiah last night. He would have given us a little bit more. I mean, you've got a £72 million player on the bench. I don't think he's worth that. But then you bring on the <coughs> you bring on the guy that's rejected a contract over Pepe. Who hasn't and Nketi has not played a minute of Premier League football this season. And he's brought on instead. Just Arteta's substitutions baffle me. That is, he's an inexperienced coach. He makes some decent decisions. He's improved the team in certain areas, but his in-game management, it, it leaves nothing to be desired. Uh, it really does. And that is part of his game that I, I always criticise quite rightly because it is lacking. And that is a real issue. Um, Rahul Tom's Mikel Arteta's press conferences today. Well, that'll be an interesting one uh, when that goes down. Uh, Gunnar0411 says, do you think we gave Ronaldo too much... <laughs> Ronaldo has been awful this season. Awful this season. I'm sorry. He's not been playing at the level that you expect from Cristiano Ronaldo. He is not the Cristiano Ronaldo that we're used to. He's feeding off of scraps at Man United this season. He's not getting involved with the build-up. He's not pressing. 
He's never going to press. So I'm interested to see what happens with Ranić. And we made him look like prime Ronaldo again. We gave him so much space, so many opportunities to get on the ball. It was so odd. He is absolutely an insane finisher. And that is why when you give him the ball, he will score in those positions. You cannot give him those opportunities. But that's why you suffocate the spaces. You restrict the ability of the side to play the ball to him. How he was allowed to influence the game as much as he did is a testament to how poorly managed the game was overall. That was a real, real problem. Matthew says, Tom at Anfield and at Old Trafford, we got dominated in the first 10 minutes after halftime. What is that about? And that's in itself really strange, Matt, because if you think back, Mikel Arteta used to be great at giving those little team talks. We'd come out after those little team talks and we'd be a changed side. Where's that gone? Where's that gone? We're coming out in the second half against sides and we're struggling. I'm not sure what's going on in those dressing rooms. We'll find out in the Amazon documentary, of course. That, really strange. Really, really strange. Uh, Michael says, we must be the only team in Europe where the African Cup of Nations will probably do us good with the performance. Look, I never like these comments. I get they're a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Losing players is never a good thing. But if Arsenal are left, if Arsenal are left so thin without Aubameyang, Partey, Pepe and Elneny, that is going to leave us short. We are going to be short. So we say a little bit jokey now, the AFCON's actually going to help us. It's not going to help us. We're losing four players from the group. Um, so I don't think it's going to help us. We could be in a League Cup semi-final. We'll have an FA Cup fourth round, hopefully, to deal with. We've got big games against Spurs in that run. Thankfully, um, the Chelsea game on the 12th of February has been postponed. So hopefully that won't be affected as much. But I don't I don't agree with the AFCON helping Arsenal, to be honest. Um, it's it, it, losing four players, especially four players that they are. It's it's not a help. It's not a help. But maybe it'll open up some opportunities for some of the other players in the team. <coughs> uh, Robin says, at what time specifically do we say enough? We need to stop the excuses and ideas of playing players into form and drop them to the bench. After defeats, look, we have been dropping players. Um, we have seen players um, kind of lose their place in the side. Kieran Tierney, Nicolas Pepe. But it... <laughs> I think he struggles with the Aubameyang situation. He's going to struggle with the Partey situation because Partey is on paper our best midfielder. So to to drop him is quite a statement. And he's so demanding is Partey off fields and in training. He's so demanding to play as, as many games as possible. Um, but he has to do something because Aubameyang and Partey were the two worst players on the pitch for Arsenal last night, without a shadow of a doubt. And he needs to be braver in his decisions, even more brave than he's been. And when we go into that game against Everton, the midfield should be Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Lokonga. I have no doubts about that. Look, Ainsley Maitland-Niles was great against Watford. Really, really strong against Watford. He should start. Lokonga should come back in. Tini should go to left-back. Martinelli, I mean, arguably Martinelli should go up front. Smith-Rowe on the left. Erdogan in the middle, Saka on the right. We're relying on the kids to drag us through games. Why not throw more in? Because the senior players are letting us down. I don't trust Lacazette to come in and be the guy to replace him. I do not trust Lacazette to be the difference maker. Because what happens is, as Aubameyang goes for a bad patch of form, we bring in Lacazette and nothing changes. It doesn't change. 
And so that that is it's it's frustrating. And now, bro, you can tell we're missing some experience in that starting eleven. Look, we have experience. The experienced players aren't stepping up. So whilst we can sit here and say we need experience in the team, those that are experienced in the side are not stepping up to the plate, are not delivering, are not being the leaders that we need them to be. And that's a big problem. Um, <clears throat> thoughts on Erdegaard? He showed sparks of cleverness here and there. Maybe not the fastest or strongest on the pitch. Holding, hold, uh, holding, holding. He gets to be one uh, in some time. Hoping uh, he gets to be one in some time. Look again on Erdegaard. <laughs> stupid challenge. You can't legislate for that at all. You can't excuse that. But sh- had a goal. Really good, solid goal. Should have had an assist. Uh, they should have taken that chance far, far better than he did. Um, but yeah, it's just frustrating that the the kind of the haters, as I say, come out after that game after he scored because they really would have been sharp by that goal for a bit, especially if he'd have got the assist as well for Martinelli. But he, you can't legislate that challenge. You can't justify it. It's a ridiculous challenge. The only thing you can say is why is it him? Why is he the one there? Why? Where's the midfield? <laughs> why? Why is he the one back challenging Fred in the box in that position? Uh, Matt says, is it tactics or an experience for the drop-off after taking a lead? It's tactics. Because we do it so, so often. We did it against Leicester. We did it against Spurs. And and we won those games. But that's because we were able to hit them quite good on the counter. Or in the case of Leicester, we held on for dear life. Scoring and sitting back is a tactic that plenty of sides have used. But they don't tend to be sides that are gunning for top four. They tend to be sides that are fighting for relegation. And that sounds harsh, but it's true. (laughs) Because the sides that are at the top of the table and fighting for the highest honours in the league and the highest positions, when they score, they look to get the next one. And and that's the difference between this Arsenal side and those sides around us, is that when we score or we get a goal, we sit in and we try and hold that lead and hit on the counter. And that can't work consistently. It's not sustainable and it needs to change. That's the issue. Don White says, Tom, you are very wrong. Partey was the worst average player on the pitch yesterday. Elneny did his job well. People should stop talking about Elneny not good enough. We won at Man United. Don, you've literally said everything that I said, so I don't know how you can disagree with me. (laughs) I said that. Partey was bad. Elneny was decent. I've said both those things. Maybe listen. Uh, Matt G, are we a possession-based or counter-attacking team? Well, I mean, I thought we were possession-based. And for the first 10 to 20 minutes of the game, we are possession-based. But then as soon as we score, as soon as we get a goal, we then become a counter-attacking side. And it's not something that you can sustain. You can't do that in every game because, one, you're not always going to score first. Secondly, teams are good enough in this league that they're going to get a goal back. And if they do, they've then got the momentum. And that's what you risk. The momentum in games is a huge factor. And we gave Man United all the all of the momentum in the game. Uh, Lewis says, uh, disagree, Tom Arteta has come out and addressed our dropping off. And he says that we must be braver. I think it's our experience. I, 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 I get that. But like what he says and what happens is, is two very different things. Yes, we need to be braver, but like he is in he is in charge. You can't look at all of the games across the season, Lewis, where you're seeing the same thing happen. It's 
in that case, if it's a case of he's expecting his side to go and be braver after scoring and they're not, then the finger still points towards Arteta. Just because he pops up in a press conference and says the team needs to be braver doesn't absolve him of the criticism because then the criticism shifts to saying, well, if that's what you want, why is it not happening and why are the players not delivering that? So it's it's unavoidable to to criticise the way that we're playing and it still does fall on Arteta in either way. Because as I've explained, either we're sitting back after scoring, which is silly, or we're not doing enough after we've scored, which if he's saying that that's what he wants to do, he wants to be braver, and yet we're not doing that, then again, that falls on him for why he's not able to deliver that with the team that he's got at his disposal. Uh, Asmarom says, Martinelli's a direct player. Where, uh, we are not using his strengths. The progression of the ball from defence to the final third is slow compared to others. We let the opposition team get back into good shape. Michael says, I told you months ago Aubameyang was not playing well and you went off on one saying he has to be in for his goals. What's the excuses now? You like the weather, mate. Michael, at the end of the day, opinions do change. Aubameyang has been consistently one of the best goal scorers in Europe across the last 10 years. I hardly think you're going out of the way and saying something quite crazy to consider the fact that you look at the way in which we've played, which is barely any chances being created in games. And to be honest, I think there is a big factor to look at Aubameyang and go, if he was getting more chances to regularly take at goal, perhaps we would see a better inform Aubameyang. But the point in time where we're sitting now, Michael, is it's very easy to sit there at the benefit of hindsight and now look back and go, oh yeah, we should make the change. I predicted that we should put him in ahead of this game. I said that I wanted to see him given that one more chance. He didn't take that chance. And so we should move on from that. But nice and respectful comment, Michael. Uh, Tulip says, Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka takes the ball and drives up forward. We need to get the ball more to them. Without Saka, in my opinion, our right side looks so dull. Hope he stays fit and we recruit someone in January for backup. The thing about Smith-Rowe is that in these games, and we saw at Anfield as well, is he looks so isolated on the left-hand side, which is strange because when you look at the games against Newcastle, Watford, Tavares really supports him. But he looks so isolated on the left at times, does Smith-Rowe, in those moments where we're in possession and we're hit on the counter. And the thing is, Smith-Rowe's not slow, but he looks a little bit slower in these games where we're trying to hit on the counter. And you think maybe he'd be better suited in a more of a central role. But the thing is, he isn't slow. So why is it that he gets so isolated in these big games away from home? Uh, Tom says, on a positive note, I thought Martinelli had a good game. No, he was great. Martinelli was fantastic. You can't fault the performance, to be honest, bar his finishing from that chance that Erdegaard gave him. I thought he was great. He should have been given the ball back from that last counter-attack where he fed the ball to Aubameyang. Should have been given it back. He was clear through. Saka came on, should have scored as well. You've got to say. I thought Saka was bright when he came on, but he had to be better with the chances that he had available to him. That's the biggest part of his game that needs to be worked on. It's when he takes chances. It's as simple as that. Lev says, poor game management, no ruthlessness. Midfield non-existent. Abamia needs dropping. So peed off. Uh, actually up watching you. <laughs> they were there for the taking. Look, Lev, first of all, welcome, mate. Thanks for finally tuning in. Um, but the thing about the thing about Abamiang is that yes, he needs dropping. Man United were there for the taking. It was disappointing. I, there's there's only so much that we can kind of say. But sitting there and saying Arteta out after this performance, again, I find strange. And again, it's probably unsurprising. I've not seen Blue Whale in the chat box for quite a while. They usually pop up at the right times. It's such a strange mentality to have. I still think at this point to be sitting there and saying that we need to sack the coach right now. 
I, I agree with people after Villarreal. I sat down myself and said, any other club in the world gets rid of their coach at that specific moment. But when you're one point off fourth and you've made some really good signings and there looks to be the, the buds of something that could turn into something good and were overperforming, I wouldn't say we're getting rid of him right now. I'm not saying I'm Arteta in. I'm just on the fence. But I'm not sitting there on the other side of things popping up in chat boxes saying Arteta. I find it really strange. Really, really strange. Um, Nick says, we made Fred look world-class. That should send tremors through our game management. Absolutely. Uh, Terry says, we can't hire anyone right now. It would be pointless. I mean, people will go Zidane and you're like, why is he going to come? Josh goes, the penalty did help Manchester United. Otherwise, it was a tie. Okay, let's talk about the what some people are describing as an excuse, which I actually think there's a little bit of semblance to it. Tommy Assey was fouled in the box. There was no VAR check at all. Not a single, not a single glimmer of a check from VAR on Tommy Asu. Pulled back in the box by Maguire. It's a penalty without a shadow of a doubt. And nothing that is done about that. And the thing is, is that I hate to talk about that because that shouldn't define the performance. That is not an excuse. If we get the penalty, it's not a guarantee that we get anything from this game. So it's a catch-22 talking about the penalty. However, it is still a penalty. It is absolutely still a penalty. So there's nothing we can do about that. We can't change that. That's something that we just have to take on the chin and move forwards because that's not going to change. What we can change is the in-game management, which wasn't good enough. What we can change is a Bamiang, who wasn't good enough. What we can change is the other parts of the team, like the midfield, that was simply not good enough. I'm not going to linger and fester an opinion about a penalty that should and could have been. I'm going to talk about more of the things that we have or the club has and Arteta has more control over, which is not a penalty. Uh, the Robots Relief says, I think Ten Hag will be a huge improvement on Arteta. Both can work with youngsters. Hag can operate. Again, he said he's not leaving Ajax, so he's not going anywhere. Manu, Tommy Asu is not the guy to start screaming when he's fouled. That's just him. He played well. Again, we talked about Martinelli being really good. The other player that I thought was really good was Tommy Asu. I thought he was excellent. Defensively, offensively, he's really adding parts to his game that he hadn't had at the start of the season. Brilliant buy. Fair play to Arteta and Edu for getting, um, for getting Tommy Asu in because he looks a brilliant, brilliant player. Uh, Answer says, Fred has been one of United's best players in the past couple of games. Sure, but he's still not great, is he? Like, He's not a great, he's not an amazing midfielder. Uh, Dirk says, to be honest, we get the penalty and Aubameyang penalty taking has been terrible. Who would have taken it? Probably Aubameyang, and he could have missed it. And he says, the Arsenal players need to learn to demonstrate when there is an obvious penalty so he gets noticed. I feel like they kind of did. Did you not see them all shouting at the linesman when Tommy Asu went down? I'm, I'm pretty sure they all kind of did do that. Um, yes, Food and Salt Travel says, I think Odegaard is a real problem in the team. And I will play Emil Smith-Rowe at 10 and Martinelli at left wing. Again, I do disagree. <laughs> he scored and he, he should have had an assist for Martinelli and then things are very, <coughs> very, very different. <clears throat> uh, Maya says, if Martinelli given consistent chances, he'll be better, don't you think? I think he's a better, I think he's got a good finish. I think he's a good finisher at the ball. So I don't see why not. He should have been better in the chance that he was given to finish. But yeah, I absolutely. Uh, Mishy, yes, we are still checking Twitch comments. There's just a lot on YouTube, Mishy. So they go past very, very quickly. Uh, Michael says, any manager that oversees kids leading experienced players and can't do anything about it needs to seriously have a look 
in the mirror. Um, I mean, the irony is, Michael, is that he's getting those kids playing at this level, which in itself is a positive. But the balance of the argument is that the experienced players are letting that side down. To be honest, the funny thing is that the experienced players should be ones that you can count on to sort themselves out. And when you see a side where the youth and the kids are the ones doing really, really well, that ironically points to a support of the manager rather than when the experienced players. If the experienced players are carrying you through games and the younger players in the team are not, that's when the, the finger points towards the coach more because they're the players that need more development, need to improve, are the ones that usually are being coached a lot more. The experienced players, when they're the ones letting you down, actually shifts the argument slightly away from the manager. So there's an irony in that comment. Uh, the Rebels release says, I'm so annoyed that we always give United their big break whenever they need it. I mean, we allowed so many of their players who have been poor to get back into their fine form. Bruno Fernandes has not scored in how long? Scores in this game. Ronaldo, poor, only a finisher, had so much of the ball in this game. Alex Tellez looked brilliant. Alex Tellez was so good stepping out from the back, recovering possession, getting up the left flank, making our, our right-hand side really threatened. Tommy Asu had to deal with him really, really well. Stop spamming my chat. Um, but it's just so frustrating that we allowed these games to happen where we just enable players who are having a bad run of form, get back into their best. It's so frustrating. Ian says, I'm tr Tom, trying to be positive. We all acknowledge that as a young, growing team, we would occasionally be done over. It's growing pain to the manager and the team. <sighs> Look, it's been two years, two, three, it's our third season under Mikel Arteta. If we don't get top six in this season, he has to go. But the thing is, is we're one point off fourth right now. And that's a very, very different thing. But you don't get anything for being a point off fourth in December. You get nothing for that. And that's why this isn't a really a position in the table where we can be talking about the managerial position. We wait until the end of the season. We see where we are. We make a decision. If we've managed to get into the top six, it stays. We've had a decent season. If we get into the top four, it's unbelievable. It's a ridiculous achievement. Arsenal should never... <clears throat> in my view, I say should never. I think they probably got the fifth best score on the table. But they shouldn't. On paper, they don't get into the top four in this Premier League. So to get into the top four is a ridiculous achievement in my view. If we miss out on the top six, which is still very possible, because you've got Man United, Spurs and West Ham that are still could occupy fourth, fifth and sixth. So we could still miss out on that top six this season. If we do that, there's no argument to say that he can stay. There's no argument at all. There's nothing about project. There's nothing about the long terminology of things. If we miss out on top six, three seasons in a row under the same coach with the fifth best squad in the league, that's not justifiable. But right now, presently, if you're going into YouTube chat boxes and typing in our chat around, I question, I question the mental side of doing that. I really, really do. Because where we are right now is not the time to be going get him out of the club because we're a point off top four in December, which means nothing in the long scheme of things, but it means something presently for the decisions that need to be made. Fellas says, Tom, what you don't understand is that Arteta won't get the sack. You think I don't get that? What have I ever said to make you think that I don't understand that? How many times have I said 
even after Villarreal, in the show which I titled the video, Arteta should get sacked. How many times in that video did I say he won't get sacked? I do understand that fella. I absolutely understand that fact. The club are committed to him and they are committed in the long term. And if we don't finish in the top six, I will still be shocked if he doesn't. Uh, I will be still be shocked if he goes because I can't see the club making that decision. I really, really can't. <laughs> John, <laughs> I'll test her out as the weakest of weak source. <laughs> uh, let's go to a blue whale says top six juice, Tom. I don't get this either. Arsenal, as I've said, had the fifth best squad in the table. Top six is the expectation. Saying that top four is the bare minimum is ridiculous. It lacks it lacks perspective. It lacks reality. And to be honest, it strikes a pure arrogance about the club and where they are right now. Arsenal are not the club that they were. And the other teams that are around us, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool and City, have better squads than us. There are other teams in the league like West Ham that look fantastic. Spurs that are now under Antonio Conte and can go fourth. I'm sorry, but saying that the expectation is top four is silly. And to call me trolling, you can get banned for that. Christopher says, I think if we don't get top six, he'll be gone with the investment they gave him. There can't be any excuses and Edu and Josh know it. I still think Chrissy would stay if we didn't finish in the top six. I still think he would stay. The Rebels will eat you, says, do we really have the fifth best squad though? Party, Abra, Laka, all haven't turned up. I mean, as I said, it's on paper. On paper, we have the fifth best squad in the table because you can't tell me that West Ham have a better team than us on paper. On form and collectively, and in terms of how they work together, they might do. I still think that's a push. Man United definitely have a better team than us. And obviously City, United and Chelsea do. Spurs don't have a better squad than us. They're a better manager than us. They're a better squad than us. Um, and then you've got Leicester, who have looked really poor all season. But I don't think they have a better squad than us. So, yeah, fifth, I think, is where we sit. And uh, if we were to get top six, I think that's the expectation. If we finish sixth, I'd still be a bit like, who the hell is finishing above us? Because we have the fifth best squad. But to say that top four is the expectation is a joke. I'm sorry. It lacks perspective and it's arrogant. Uh, Andy says, totally agree, Tom. We wait until the end of the season to judge Arteta. We are progressing well with the changing of the squad. But until he replaces the aging strikers, we won't challenge for top four. Well, we are challenging for top four right now. We have those current strikers. But it's whether or not that challenge sustains throughout the rest of the season. That's what we'll wait to see. Matt Thornton says, with his inexperience, do you think that's why Arteta wants Wenger back at the club? No, I actually think that's more of a token gesture, to be honest. Uh, I think that's because, yeah, it's, it's Arsene Wenger. Um, he's not going to turn around and go, no, we don't want him back at the club. That would be a bit weird. Um, Fellas says, Tom, if you understand that Arteta won't get the sack if he doesn't make top six, then why are you critiquing the people who want Arteta out when the club are incompetent? of doing the right thing. Because we're one point off top four, fella. Perspective. That's where we're at right now. Uh, Kigi says, we can bounce back against Everton, guys. And it's a great point. It absolutely is a great point. We can bounce back against Everton. And that is going to be a crucial game. Because if we lose, or even if we draw that game, there is going to be big, big questions about this Arsenal team. We've got Everton. We've got Southampton, we've got Leeds, we've got Sunderland in there somewhere, which should be a heavily rotated team, and we've got West Ham. And the Everton and West Ham games 
as I said at the start before the Man United game, those three will define our season. The next four are crucial. In my view, we have to take 10 from 12 in these four games. We have to take 10 from 12. If we don't take 10 from 12, we could find ourselves very quickly out of this top four race. That will be the games that are the biggest test for us. And with that, we're going to finish the show. Yeah, uh, you may not have agreed with everything I said, which is fine. That's what we're about. We're about different opinions. I appreciate everyone that's been able to remain respectful in the chat box for the most of it. It's always a bit of a challenge after a big damning defeat. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe. I actually might do a phone-in show this week. Uh, I'm off work this week. Uh, got a nice week off. I would have liked it to have been after a win, although saying that we do play Monday. So there's a chance for some reprieve. Um, I actually would like to get some people on that really do genuinely want Arteta out right now. So if that is you, and I know I say this a lot, and you know, the funny thing is, is that these people are very happy to sit in the chat box, very happy to sit there and go, I'll tap them out, I'll tap them out. But actually when I say, look, come on the show, talk to me. Why do you feel this way? Why should Arteta leave right this minute? Absolute dead silence. Absolute dead silence. So DMs are open. Instagram, the Guna Talk, Twitter, at the Guna Talk TV. Send me a DM. We'll work out a time that works for the most people. And we'll try and do a phone-in show next week. That's how you get on the show. And uh, and there you go. Uh, just, just send us a DM. I say this a lot. We end up getting no one. All the people that do DM are so rude. <laughs> so, so rude. I'm just not having people that aren't in the vibe. But if you are willing to come on the show, you can be respectful. And you can talk about the manager from your perspective and why you want him out. Please do get in touch because I'm always open to hearing other points of view. Uh, as long as they're done in a respectful way. So send us a DM at the Guna Talk TV on Twitter, the Guna Talk on Instagram. Drop us a like on the video today and subscribe if you are new. I will see you on the next one. Have a fantastic weekend. Try to enjoy it. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered. By fans.